Welcome everyone to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter and joining me as always is Tara. Greetings citizens. This is a science fiction movie podcast. We get together, we've watched the movie and we will talk about it. It really is quite that simple and it is coming to an end of 70s season number three. Uh, this is the third time we've done this where we've done a batch of 70s movies over a, over a month or so and this is Silent Running. Uh, which was a movie that's kind of dodged the previous seasons and it felt right to finally get this in because it's, you know, outside of the top tier of sci-fi movies from the 70s, Silent Running tends to be one of the, the sort of next tier down that gets mentioned a lot and people mm. were asking about it. So we're going to start spoiler-free. We'll give you a warning before we get to spoilers and I'll give you the, the general premise. But this, this was a first-time watch for you, right? It was. Yes, Bruce Dern and uh, here. Long before he was just the racist old dude in uh, Hateful Eight, which is, I think, what I think of him from first. One of my favourites. Although he's also in uh, The Burbs, which I really he like is, a yeah. lot. Uh, which is kind of in between this, I don't know, prime of his life phase <laughs> and then his old man phase. So when he's in his, I don't know. Yeah, because he did Nebraska right before the Hateful Eight, right? Wasn't that like uh, an Academy Award? Nominated film? I don't know. I never saw it. I, oh. Okay. I, I've disappointed Tara with my lack of uh, Nebraska viewing. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the premise of Silent Running is that it's in the future and we're in space. Bruce Darren plays a character named Lowell who is basically the, the botanist on a ship that has six biodomes which are effectively the last forest of any kind that we have uh, earth no longer has a forest i feel like we'll discuss the details of like because the, like, the details they drop about earth in this are really probably probably warrant some discussion and some like thought <laughs> but mm -hmm. i think that's maybe a uh, i don't know if i'd say it's like ultra spoilery but i, I think we should save it for spoilers just in terms sure. of you know that stuff uh but ultimately he believes it's important to keep this stuff going to have you know fruit and vegetables and some you know, a place for bunnies to hop around and we see bunnies hopping around in these little I forests know. and ultimately though they're told by the government slash company that they are to nuke all of the biodomes and return this vessel which is supposed to be like just like a, a cargo vessel or something really mm -hmm. uh back to active duty so that it's not being used up it's just this is worthless it's taking resources we don't need it and yeah, Bruce Darren has a problem with this. He's like, not on my watch. And he goes on into business for himself, one might say. To use a wrestling term, he goes into business for himself. And the rest of the film is about him trying to sort of save the forest. And with the help of a few little robots that help maintain the ship. Uh, so that's the, that's the basic premise of Silent Running. Um, so Tara, mm -hmm. what did you think? of silent running so yeah first time watch for me um i think this movie is good i think it's good but i i like it but there are some things i find confusing there's just i'm just like there was a tone there that <laughs> implied to me there was going to be a but uh possibly a however or maybe Something else, but <laughs> well, well. Yeah, I mean, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm not in love with the film. 
I like the premise and I like the setup and I like the idea of preserving nature and, you know, the cost of like nuking these forests and um, changing our way of life into technology. Um, I do think the movie goes in a in a direction that I think is a bit confusing, like to whatever its message is trying to be. Um, I, I just thought there would be more of the actual like biodome part of it, <laughs> but that's more in like the, just the, the setup of the film, which is the part I like the most. Hmm. Yeah. I, I, I guess I'm kind of similar to you in that I kind of like the vibe it's going for. I like the ideas and the messaging that, well, at least the messaging that I think that it's going for. I, I kind of agree that it's a little bit murky. Uh, as it goes on, exactly mm-hmm. what it's saying. I kind of like the, you know, the sets and all that. Uh, there's a bit of trivia here. They actually shot a lot of this on a decommissioned aircraft carrier. They didn't build a lot of it. Uh, and I believe it was a Korean aircraft carrier that had been, like... Well, it, no, it's an American one, because it has an American name. It's the same oh, name okay. as the actual station or ship, whatever this is. Okay. I'm sure I saw something. Maybe it was used in the it Korean. Used in Korean yeah, War. Maybe, yeah. Maybe that's what. It, maybe that's what I read. Um, but so there's obviously the biodome part. I assume was just a set because you know I don't see how they're going to put that onto an aircraft carrier. But uh, the, the the rest of it is like a just them sort of retrofitting this old old ship. Uh, which you know it's fun. It's, it's a nice cost effective thing. I, I I liked kind of the the feel of it because of that. Um, mm-hmm. I, I will say. Bruce Stern's character as a protagonist is a little hard to kind of get a, a clear grasp of. In, in terms of like emotionally connecting to him and rooting for him, it's kind of difficult. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because he does make choices that are obviously extreme and they're not just likable choices and you have to kind of reconcile that. I don't know if the movie goes as full into like him dealing with the morality of what he's done enough for me to really see that as like a core like story that it's trying to tell it feels a little bit i don't know a little bit light on those things where it's like it kind of addresses them it approaches them and it kind of brings them up and there's a couple of moments here or there that hearken to it but it doesn't feel like it goes into like a full-on no this is a character who makes these choices and then has to deal with those choices it feels a bit more i don't know uh just (sighs) reserved you're right like I don't want to say too much because it might be yeah. leaning into, you know, spoiler section, but he is a difficult character to root for. Um, the movie doesn't really do very much to make you root for this guy or even make you root against other people. You yeah. Know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. This is the weird thing. Obviously, it's this environmental message and he's obviously pro a lot of things, right? Which you think, oh, it'd be easy to look format the movie so that we sympathize with all of his plights but we are given a lot of good arguments from other characters as to why it's not that big a deal and we're given a lot of reasons and it's not so much that i necessarily agree with them but it's like okay but then the argument could be but you know when he talks about these forests he's like well yes but then we don't have beauty we don't have art we don't have freedom or frontiers to explore because all these natural things are gone and that's a valid, like, argument, but it's a bit more of an art- artistic argument as opposed to a we-need-this-for-sustainability argument. And it kind of, you know, it's like, okay, we'll go into that then. Like, let me explore this idea of, like, the romance of it. 
and yeah. why we need to re- preserve it for those reasons. But it, the movie kind of doesn't. And I think Bruce Dern at times is a little... I don't want to say annoying, but there are there are moments where he's just a little bit quirky in a way that is hard to kind of get behind. <laughs> he kind of comes off as crazy, like, right from the beginning. Not, mm-hmm. like, too crazy, but, like, he's clearly an outcast on this station itself. And it's probably because he doesn't really think highly of the people he's with. So he just sort of, like, isolates himself in his own little... Joe's Joe's funny is he kind of comes across now you've described him that way he kind of you know like when people think of like the extreme person in a group who's always going on about like issues or social issues or environmental issues and they kind of joke about them like always bringing it up and like being like the you know like this is kind of what this guy is he's he's, and then this movie he he's (laughs) are you saying he's the vegan in the group I'm trying to avoid that word, <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's that's kind. But that's kind of like. But in this, in this case, he actually is the extreme version that people joke about their vegan friends, right? Mm-hmm. He actually is like getting into like debates with them. He's kind of separating himself from the other characters. He he, you know, he he is kind of like this unlikable guy. And there's the one guy who does try to like be friendly with them and he's trying his best, like, like, you know, an olive branch is maybe an ironic thing to use as a, as a a metaphor here, but he, he he keeps resisting it. He keeps, and part, part of what I thought this was going to go, and it does kind of to a point, but part of what I thought this was going to do was a little bit of that, um, into the wild kind of message. I thought there was going to be a little bit of a, you have to appreciate humanity as well as, (laughs) as the wildlife. Like you have to kind of use a bit of both. Uh, for a healthy balance and it does kind of do a little bit of that but it almost but again it felt kind of like it was we say that's about a lot of these 70s movies where it feels like it doesn't go all in on some of its ideas it feels like it kind of broaches them and yeah you know. and also like i thought the message of the film was pretty clear in the beginning but as the movie went on it just uh i don't know what bruce stern's motivation is anymore I mean, and... I've got some ideas, but we can, you know, a spoiler talk. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. This is, this is a really nitpicky one, right? This is not a serious complaint, really. But it kind of annoyed me, the Ilska race car driver, because he's got so many patches on his, like, suit. He looks like... He, it looks like he's... he's a, I mean, it's, I know it's like, it's like, you know, like scout badges almost that he's wearing all over. <laughs> but... I think I, he's really proud of the work he does. Yeah. yeah. But it made it look like he was getting ready to get into like a Formula One car. And like at any point, he was going to put on a helmet. I thought <laughs> that this movie looked a lot like the set of Mystery Science Theater three thousand. They I, got I, the jumpsuits. They got the colors. Um, the the two robots. <laughs> I mean, to to be fair, I don't think it's a wild speculation to say that Mystery Science Theater might be inspired somewhat by the design of this movie. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean do you have you heard them say that or are you just not definitely it's because you're watching it <laughs> uh it's in the trivia but also okay. like i've heard it before in the um yeah in the behind the scenes stuff on all my dvd extras yes and funnily enough uh there's a sequence in this that made me think of a movie that i watched on mystery science theater 2000 <laughs> uh the uh the little buggies yeah the little buggies from uh space mutiny are clearly <laughs> inspired by this movie because like they have all these little rv I things i believe they're called enforcers and they reach speeds of three <laughs> which leads to some wild chases 
just to be specific here, that's in uh, not in Silent Run. That that's in Space Mutiny. They're called Enforcers. Yes. 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 These are um, like a big wheel <laughs> for kids. Kinda. I mean, they seem to have <laughs> enough fun like driving around in them. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. They did look like fun. Yeah, they did. They did. They did. Yeah, it's fair. And there's a nice touch at the start, actually, because it starts off with all these tranquil shots of, like, you know, close-ups of leaves and bugs and, like, just here's nature. And then mm-hmm. eventually you just hear the engine. A turtle. And, you know, and these, these, like, RV things, like, interfere. It's like, no, look, here's here's man's world coming to an interfere and, like, trample over the natural beauty of this. But then even, even this, this forest, though, is, like, the backdrop of it is, like, a dome and then it's just space. So there is, like, a nice visual of having, like, it's this... It's very pretty, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a nice contrast. It's it's unique yeah so. it's a lot like those retro futurism art prints yeah. that you can purchase where it's just like people in a crowd but that crowd is on a moon by saturn or something yeah, yeah. I, I think to sum up like my overall feeling in this movie i think i like the idea of it and i think i like talking about what it is more than i like the experience of watching it from start to finish does that feel fair <laughs> i like the movie i think the movie's good i also agree that I'm a little iffy on the protagonist. I do think Bruce Dern is a great actor, um, but I don't think he's a very likable person on screen. And I don't know if it's his fault or if it's the just the way the character was written, but there wasn't a lot for me to hold on to there. And I think that... But it, but I do really like the look of the movie a lot, and I do like the, like what the setup of the film. Yeah, just imagine Red Brown in this role. It'd be so much better. Oh, yeah, I mean, that works in literally every case, though. I mean, in all seriousness, there's definitely actors that I think if you look... And it's not, again, it's not that Bruce Dern's bad, but I think there's, like, with this type of character, you want some who, someone who naturally has a little bit of, like, a likableness to them <laughs> to, to, like, make you empathize with them a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I, I mean, I don't know who I'd have off the top of my head, but, like, there's definitely actors that I wouldn't put in here. Like, you know, I wouldn't put, say... Well, like I wouldn't put Christopher Walken in this role because I think Christopher Walken would have more of the same problem where he's just a little bit too he's edgy, you know, and he would just feel a bit too off killer. But if you put say, um, I don't know, what other Tom Hanks, maybe? Sam Richardson, <laughs> Tom- Sam Richardson's always likable. Sam Richardson. Okay. <laughs> Are we turn to a comedy though with him? Is that I'm worried. <laughs> <laughs> he is hilarious. He's, he's maybe a bit too on the funny side for, for it to work. Uh, but I mean, I know he's a promising young woman and he's not that likable in that. But Sure, yeah. The reason he's in that is because the director purposely hired actors, male actors who are known for being likable and put them in those roles. Yeah, because it's him and uh, Bo Burnham, right? Mm-hmm. Who's like a really likable dude, generally speaking. Yes, exactly. Yeah, And a great director. Eighth grade is a fantastic movie. It's not sci-fi, but I recommend it. I haven't seen Inside. I heard that's good. I heard it was good, although I heard it was a bit of a weird, like, trip through his mental state. <laughs> People were worried about him afterwards. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. So, you know... Well, I, great art will do that to a person. So yeah. I heard. So, you know, you have... Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the little robots, obviously, are, are decent enough. They're, they're a bit schlocky in their design. Like, you can yeah. sort of look at their arms and it's like, okay, that's just... You, you can sort of tell the type of tubing that they've used to make these robots you can sort of like you can go and buy that in like a hardware store you can just, like this is the Actually, arm i was trying to figure out how they worked because they're they're an odd like boxy shape oh do you not know um, how they worked well i know that there's people inside yeah. them 
and I've, but I was tr- still looking at the legs of them. Like the, those look like arms. They don't look like legs. And they, because they, they are, are arms. They are arms. Yeah. yeah. They, they hired the uh, multi, like quadriplegic or paraplegic people. <laughs> yeah. I was looking for the right word there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You got there on the end. You got there on the end. I got there. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. That's basically the trick to it. Is that it's just you know it's it's people who they, who would fit into this type of role uh, yeah. by and large, um, and they're an important part of the film because it's not a big cast. You know, other than a couple of voices on a comms, you've got the you got the main character, you got three other crew members, and then you've got the robots. Well, that's that's who is left. So, I think that the robots are really great in this. I think they're they have enough personality that I like them. Like mm-hmm. they seem to have emotions and empathy, especially when one of their fallen, uh, you know, when their brethren have fallen, they seem to be distraught about it or are hurt. And I love that they don't talk because <laughs> that would have easily made it annoying and cheap and mm-hmm. I would have hated it. <laughs> they could have r would it with a beep beep bloop. Yeah, I would have been okay. There's a little bit of like noises that come out mm. of them sometimes, but they're... It's pretty few and far between. Yeah. 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 Well, the robots are fine. I, I it's, it's, I, I think the sad part, this is one of these movies where I look at the poster and go, this looks really cool. And then yeah. the movie is not quite as cool as I think the poster <laughs> made it look. <laughs> well, the, the robots suffer from that 70s movie thing yeah. where they're just super bulky and very slow. They're given all these complicated tasks like performing surgery and you're like, there's no way this thing that is, like, janky is going to perform surgery. <laughs> I, I wouldn't feel comfortable trusting it, no. That's, yeah, I mean, that's, we're just going to cut fair. away and come back and boom, surgery's done. It looks like they take, no. it takes them eight years to, like, walk across the station. The, the, funny, the funny thing <laughs> is, is that, so in the rec room on the ship, there's, a, like, a pool table. But because the future is a circular pool table and the only yeah. pocket is in this future. weird... <laughs> yeah. It's future pool. But the only pocket is this one weird hole, and it's like in, it's not even like right in the middle. It's it's like off center. It's like you know, like a third mm-hmm. of the way in in the middle. And I thought this is really weird, and just this is just different for the sake of being different, seemingly. But what yeah, really like cra- why would they have to change pool? Yeah, and the, the part that really cracked me up about it though is they've got like a robot arm that will come in and like set up the balls, and as and there's a scene like halfway through when Bruce Dern's waiting for it to like set up the balls and rack them. And mm-hmm. it's like picking the balls up from like the you know outside the table one by one, and I'm like, this is a clear example of it is quicker to just grab them yourself because this thing is taking forever. Yes, <laughs> it's like it, it reminds me of um, yeah. It also reminds me of in Demon Seed, not Proteus, but great like movie. the great chair. Movie. I love Pro- I know, Demon right? Seed's great. Demon Seed's great. <laughs> And not 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 Proteus and not the weird like geometrical thing he becomes, but like the the chair, the assistant chair with the robot arm mm. and like the head strap that would miraculously like pick a person up with one like super weak arm and strap him in and put the head thing over them and is able to do all these complex tasks that we don't see because every time we see the, the robot try to do something it takes like six hours and it's super janky and clunky i mean i feel like but. doctor who uh has been for 50 years you know because obviously that started back in the 60s 70s when things were just as clunky as this and for 50 60 years they've had to gradually try and sort of retcon the daleks 
so that they work in the modern mm-hmm. story because they're just these cl- they're just boxes that move around that's all they are yeah i've seen them <laughs> yeah they look like big chest pawns yeah there was a big <laughs> they thing don't look very threatening when the show came back for i'm the sure big, they're very scary for the big relaunch in you know 2005 the first time they had a dalek episode there was a whole big deal at the fact because it used to be a thing where they couldn't go upstairs so that was like a big weakness is <laughs> they couldn't get go upstairs but in the new version they could hover upstairs and it was like a big Ooh. old shit moment. It's like, oh, now they've got mobility. <laughs> it's like when the, it's like when the zombies could run all of a sudden. Yeah, I think. Let's be honest. Daleks are pretty lame, and Doctor Who fans don't like when you make fun of Daleks, but they're they're pretty lame. <laughs> I've never watched Doctor Who. Well, that's not true. I tried watching one of the seasons that a friend yeah. recommended, and wasn't for me. There's there's good things occasionally in Doctor Who, but a lot of sure, it's pretty lame. I, I do think those weeping angels are. Like, genuinely scary. They're cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I had to stop watching it, because too much of it was just kind of really schlocky in, in a way that If just... I had discovered it when I was a kid, I don't know if I'd be into it, but I might be, like, more open to it. Yeah, yeah. If, if I had this childhood, like, attachment to it, maybe I would like it more. Um, yeah. Barry, back to Silent Running. Uh, oh, yeah. Which, you know... I, uh, yeah, I feel like a lot of people do like this movie quite a bit, and I, I feel like a lot of people really were looking forward to us getting to it, and I don't want to... I was a little bit worried as I was watching it, because I'd seen it once a long time ago, and I remembered being a little lukewarm and not being in love mm-hmm. with it. Not not hating it, but not being in love with it. And I, I was, you know, 40 minutes into this, this viewing, and I was like, you know, this is all right, but I'm, I'm kind of feeling the same way that, that I did the first time, and I hope that... Like, I have some reasonable points to make. <laughs> and I, I have, you know, stuff that people understand why I feel the way I do. And it's not just... Because, uh, I mean, I'm not... For, I want you to make this clear. Not for a second am I complaining that this is not some sci-fi action movie. That's not what it is. It's never... It never pretends to be that. And it never, you know, tries to... I just wanted it to be the movie it set up in the beginning. Hmm. Okay, I thought you were going to clarify what that was. <laughs> well, not without spoilers. Okay, okay, not without spoilers. Okay, um, but yeah, All right. well, I, I guess we'll go, we'll give the spoiler warning then, so we can start talking about everything. Uh, yes. So, full spoilers for Silent Running uh, from here on out. You have been warned. Uh, all right. Well, I'll ask the question again. What, what sort of movie does it set out to be at the start? Then, <laughs> yeah. Well, the beginning sets up like. He's the only one who cares about the natural world, about how man has relied too much, and the way they talk about Earth, it sounds pretty beige, pretty boring. You know, people have forgotten where they come from, like where yeah, health comes from. But not, and, notably, it's functional, though. That was the weird thing that's different from a lot of other stories that's set but, yes. you know, like in the future. And we're it sounds about like these it's things. got its own little biodome thing, but it doesn't have any plants or it's, anything. It, yeah, it sounds it sounds air-conditioned because they said it's 75 degrees no matter where it's, you go. It's definitely weather-controlled of some type, yeah, yeah or climate-controlled. Uh, they mentioned that no one's poor, no one's hungry, everyone's got a job, like... Like they set up this idea that it's actually kind of perfect, almost machine-like, uh, right. but there's no wildlife, there's no trees, there's no forests. Yeah, those things are gone. Right, and you know, I think that's that's interesting setup. Like, if your world was dying anyway, and it, like it wasn't your fault, then yeah, okay, Earth sounds like it's still an okay place to be. But 
clearly it would have been better if we still had forests and wildlife and you know we're not the only people on the planet <laughs> obviously we're more the most important i do think that but like we do share this planet and it sounds like the earth in this world is basically just there for humans <laughs> yeah i mean maybe I don't know. <sighs> maybe livestock not sure. I feel like there probably is still some animals, just because people would want to keep them around. You know, you just want kitty cats, and it'd be your perfect utopia, <laughs> wouldn't it? Well, this is the thing. Like, this is what is actually quite interesting about this premise and the way it sets it up. That makes it unique to other dystopian movies where it talks about climate change or it talks about the like this is not a case where they're saying oh earth is like getting worse and worse and everyone's like struggling and dying because there's not enough food or because there's no or because mm -hmm. the the atmosphere is becoming like hostile to our systems but no one it's not that it's like no everything's fine like we, we've actually through fabrication made sure that because i mean they don't say it outright but they talk about the food being synthetic it sounds a lot like star trek replicators by the sound of it like yeah, yeah I mean, it seems more like, like he only eats fruit and stuff that he grows in the garden. But, you know, everybody else is like, we can't eat that. We don't like that because we like our synthetic crackers and, you know, cheese in a tube or whatever it is. Yeah, they're used to whatever it is. Which... Yeah, they're, I mean, the stuff that's, you know, created to be much like processed food that we have now is just created to be make our brains go ding 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 and eat more of this stuff well, and no, then, you're, you're, you're making and then regular food no, tastes you, bland you, you don't know that you, you you do not know that you're making an assumption there because one of my thoughts i well, had it looked like ritz crackers that he threw around at well, one point it looks like that <laughs> but it, it like doesn't mean like it's the future like if this is nutritionally like solid mm -hmm. like if, if, the, if this food that, that is designed for people in the future much like Star Trek, because they say this mm -hmm. in Star Trek, they've said this quite a few times, where you basically just order what you want in Star Trek, and it doesn't matter if it's like a greasy cheeseburger, it'll just nutritionally be okay. Like, it'll still give yeah. you everything you need nutritionally, and that's fine. Right. But they still have, like, overweight people in Star Trek, so... Well, I guess <laughs> people still eat food they can, like, they too make. much. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, like you say, like, we, I think there's like an episode where Riker's still making food the classic way, because he wants to, because it's a hobby. So yeah. people could still get fat, but um, <laughs> Riker is a nice example. Of yeah, Riker's yeah. an example. He, he, he gets a bit more portly as the years go on. Um, uh -huh. No, but I guess what I'm saying is, is like, still looks a, fine in a pure clinical sense. Like, if everyone is well fed, there's no poverty, mm -hmm. and all these things are dealt with. The, the the movie asking the question then, but is there still something lost by not having this part of like the world and i think the, i would agree the answer is yes now don't get me wrong i think if it's between having like everyone's dealt with and it's, it's everyone's like doesn't have to worry about all these problems let's say if, if they were at odds against each other i would say well pick the one that saves all the people you know bye bye forest but in this context where it's no this company or the government are just saying you know what it's not worth their effort to keep we don't care anymore but someone's someone's fighting for the idea that no we should keep this because it's beautiful and because there's a reason to cherish it. Like, mm -hmm. I actually do agree with and that sentiment. And we should be so selfish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. E e even if I am maybe, you know, compared to you, a little bit more towards, yeah, if everything could just be fabricated and, uh, like, I wouldn't have to worry about this anymore, that'd be great. <laughs> like, like part, part of me thinks, like, 90% of don't the time... Say, this is definitely your version of Earth, <laughs> so long as there's cats. As long as there's some cats. Um... <laughs> Like, on a cold, hard, logical sense, right, to put my Spock head on, like, I'm okay 
with how Earth sounds. But I would still want there to be some real nature as well. Like, I don't want it to be gone. Um, yeah. But I think that's what makes this debate more interesting in this film compared to, or at least more unique than other examples, is that it gives us this Earth that doesn't sound that bad. I mean, it sounds a bit boring, maybe, but it doesn't sound like torture. I agree. I actually think the movie kind of goes against its message later on um, because they make Bruce Dern kind of unlikable almost from the beginning, even though he seems like he has the right message. It's almost like the movie's trying to say, like, no, it's the hippie that's wrong. Yeah, he's, he's the tree hugger that the, is the one that's the wrong is in the wrong. Because, I thought that was so confusing. Yeah, because he's he's this outsider from the start, and he's kind of neurotic, and he kind of like you know snaps when he's saying, "No, let, let me eat my fruit and let me eat my cantaloupe." He, he he comes across a bit deranged when he's sitting there with his spoon, like you know, just like carving out this fruit. <laughs> yeah, um, he, he kind of has that that vibe right from the start. So. I, I do think it kind of flips later in the film uh, where I, I can see the positive message by the end and kind of like, I, I think that the final of the movie does have like something it's trying to do and sort of compare itself to. So I'll, I'll, when we get there, I'll, I'll talk about that. But yeah, at, at least early Although on. Bruce Stern does one more unlikable act before the end also <laughs> we have to talk about. Oh, yes. I mean, he does unlikable <laughs> things quite a bit in this movie. I mean, well, that's this is the thing. So early on in the film, they get this message. And they're told that they have to like detach the domes, but plant nukes so that they blow up. And and part of me was thinking, like, why do you have to blow them up? Like, why can't you just let them drift? <laughs> just let them go into space? Like, really? Yeah. What's the What's the big deal? Um. So you you can maybe argue there's maybe something there about just the the disposability that that they're being treated with is kind of an interesting yeah, topic. Yeah, I think so. Like, plus, yeah, I I think it's like the the fact that they use nukes specifically mm. tells me that they're trying to say like because this you know came out at the time that it did you know right after the 60s and we got all those other nuclear anti-nuclear bomb episodes of twilight zone and movies that we've watched uh it seems kind of like a remainder from that like look you know the nukes destroy more than just cities they destroy natural habitats yeah. and forest and other all this beauty that can get lost by us just going to war with one another now i don't know how small you can make a nuke but they, they, they did feel a lot more compact in this movie than i've seen <laughs> elsewhere the yeah they, they look like uh, like thermostats like you'd have your hot beverage in right. that's how big they were yeah. um i'm not i'm not even convinced that that's not what they made them out of in terms of like the props <laughs> I think I th saw the thermos symbol on yeah. the side of it. Uh, right, you, you gotta keep 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 track. You know, you, you go above three point six on the old old ratogens. You gotta. <laughs> Sorry, not great, not terrible. But... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Reactor four, baby. You gotta, you gotta keep keep track. Um, so yes, so so he doesn't want to do it, obviously, and he's just kind of upset as the others are like gradually like going into these various domes and setting up the nukes they, they they ultimately have gotten rid of six of them there's a couple of neat little details along the way like one of them gets cut in the one of the forests and he has to go to bruce dern for like help so bruce dern's like okay i'll patch you up and it's kind of this awkward thing because this is like the guy's been the biggest dick to him the whole time but bruce dern's still willing to like you know do his job patch him up um but when there's only two domes left and the one who's the guy who's been nice to him the one in the red jumpsuit who's been nice to him 
and it's you know a bit more sympathetic. It's like I get why I get that you care about this, but ultimately we want to go home. We've been out here for months, years even at this point, and like you just have to accept that this is not our choice. Like we're just following orders. This is the choice of whoever's in charge. Bruce Dern ultimately it's tries over. To, the dream is over. <laughs> he tries to make a stand, and he ends up fighting this guy to death. Right? He kills him. Yeah. And chokes him. Then he and this is in the heat of the moment, so obviously you don't like him for it, but you at least can accept it's in the heat of the moment. But then he actively makes the choice to go and jettison the other dome that has the other two crew members in it and lets it blow up with yeah. them on board. So he murders the other two like in cold blood, right? Mm-hmm. Just outright. And okay, I'm like he's done this very unlikable thing. He's went off the deep end, so it's hard to sympathize with the message that he's behind a little bit at this point because he is doing these extreme things where he is placing his last forest because he's only got one dome left at this point. He started with six, now he's only got one. He's placing this forest survival over the lives of other human beings. And at that point it's like, okay, especially the guy that he liked because the, the guy that was nice to him because the guy that was nice to him was the first one he killed. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was almost like once he'd killed him it was like well the other two don't seem as bad to him because they're the, they're the dickheads right so he's already, he's crossed, already the line. crossed that threshold yeah yeah so so that that all like, okay fine so this is where i was thinking okay it's going to be into the wild he's going to like achieve like this balance where he's taking care of the forest on his own but ultimately he's going to feel lonely and ultimately he's going to and there is a couple of moments in the film where he has these little flashbacks where he remembers people and Obviously, he teaches the robots later how to play poker because he needs companionship. And he talks to the yeah. robots like people more. He starts to give them personalities through his dialogue. And he's like, it, it sort of he builds up names. over time. It's like one of the first things he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's like, okay, right? I, I get kind of what you're doing at this point. And this makes some sense. Uh, and, you know, we're kind of explaining this very quickly, but there's a lot of time this takes to happen. Uh, between like yeah. him like running around and setting up the dome to eject and then he talks over comms to the other ship that's nearby who's like sort of like going to take them home basically right. and he sort of lies and says there's a problem and uh, like eventually takes the ship through the rings of Saturn which interestingly a bit of trivia on this uh, so the director of this actually did effects on 2001 oh cool and originally apparently Kubrick wanted to use Saturn instead of Jupiter and they only chose Jupiter in the end because the, the either the effect couldn't be done or couldn't be done in time for the rings. So the director basically finished the work that he was worth doing for that and put it in this movie, kind of. Oh, interesting. So there's a little bit of a 2001 connection there. Which Love is it. Neat. I thought you'd like that. I do. <laughs> um... But that's all takes some time. There's a lot of him talking to them and lying to them. And eventually he says there's an explosion that killed the rest of the crew. And he's like terrified. And when he get, when he gets beyond Saturn, it's like, well, you're getting too far out now. We, there's not, like the chances of us being able to come and get you now are slim. So this might be it. And he calls him a good American. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he's like, oh, we salute you for your service. You're going to have a high school named after you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Did you just reference Deep Impact? Uh, wasn't that Armageddon? No, I think it's Deep Impact. It's the one where the, the astronauts are all talking about how well, this is a one-way trip, but at least we'll have high schools named after us. Yeah. That's Deep Impact. Then I guess I did. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, I've seen Armageddon more than Deep Impact, so I'm not going to... I'm not claiming... I'll take your word for it. I'm not claiming to be... 
cool because I'm not as much I've of an only Armageddon seen, guy. I've seen both of them once. Honestly, it's worth... Maybe not the whole thing. You can get the clip on YouTube. There's a great clip of the commentary track that Ben Affleck did for Armageddon where he says when he brought up to Michael Bay on set one day, hey, wouldn't it be easier to train astronauts how to drill than, than training drillers how to be astronauts? And apparently Michael Bay just said, F off, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, Ben's got a point. The American way. <laughs> Ben's got a point. Aside. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, I, I always just enjoy that little... I just I love the idea of bet of uh, Michael Bay just getting pissed off and said that someone's just pointed out like the like the, the entire <laughs> Super premise. Obvious. Yes, the, the premise. The entire premise is nonsense. <laughs> no, not not to disparage like you know that's industrial drilling. I'm sure takes a bit of training. There's a lot of like, skill and trade involved in it. But sure. astronauts take a long time <laughs> to, to <Yeah>. train. <laughs> they tend to only go for the best of the best of the best. You know. Yes. Uh, best of the best of the best, sir. Correct. Men in Black, 1997. Okay. <laughs> Don't need to go into your weird savant mode. <laughs> she said best of the best of the best. That's just what I thought. Yeah. I was clearly doing Men in Black. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We're on the same page. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Um, so, yes. So, he ends up in the other side of Saturn, but he's injured, you know, when he when he gets into the fight with a dude, like, his leg got stabbed, basically. I uh, guess. I don't remember seeing that happen. I was yeah. wondering why he was, like, all wobbly when he was talking and kind of limping around. And then they show, like, a full body shot of him, like, oh, my God, his leg's, like, about to fall off. <laughs> he's got blood, yeah. <laughs> There's so much tomato soup everywhere. And, and I was thinking, oh, okay, so this is going to show how much he needs other people. But then he just sort of, like, gets the, the, the droids to patch him up. Yeah, he's got to put in the different uh, floppy disk first. Because there's three droids at this point. It's when they go through the rings of Saturn that one of them bites it. Number three bites it. Yeah. Uh, Seemingly just on its own, it decides to die. It's a suicide. It's a suicidal Basically, fight. like, because he kept saying, like, just keep going. Why have you stopped? And he just sort of, like, sits down and then dies. <laughs> like, did he just decide that life wasn't worth living anymore? Uh, yeah. <laughs> this poor droid had a existential crisis on the side of the well, ship. Well, we see like, later on, uh, Bruce Dern runs one of them over by accident because he's not where he's supposed to be. Number two gets mm -hmm. run over. And when he's operating on him to try and fix him, he asks number one to go and like fetch something and he wants because he wants to stay by his side. Yeah. He wants to stay by his brother's side as he's been worked on. He's too concerned to leave the room. And Bruce right. Dern's like, I get it, I get it, my man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, they, they do a good job of giving the robots some, you know personality and something for me to attach to and go i like these i want them to survive i want them to be okay to be taken care of you know it's it's like the wilson thing in castaway this is very much like a castaway a prototype yeah a little bit i and i think what i took from this part of the film is the irony that he can only even do this because he has to rely on technology and it's not so much that he was anti-technology before but he was very much like we still need to have to have nature but he still mm -hmm. relies on effectively ai effect you know on on robots machines mm -hmm. he has to rely on all these things to make all this work and then the ultimate irony being at the end of the film is that he has to kind of like give the garden to a machine to look after and it's you know that, that's like a, a super like you know futurist idea the idea of a garden that's like maintained by a a robot and an android or whatever mm -hmm. um 
and I, I kind of took like that as like this robot is effectively becoming like I don't want to say Jesus, but like the new Mother Nature. Like this robot is now Mother Nature. He, yeah, he's the for this garden taking care of the Garden of Eden. Yes, <laughs> it was. Effect- I mean, when you have the caretaker this- of the Garden of Eden, much like Adam was supposed yeah. to be. Yeah, and when you just have one garden, like the comparison to Eden is kind of easy at that point. Like, sure, we're just the only one Plus left. Plus, it's super bountiful and it's got a bunch of melons and stuff that grow yeah. in it. Um, it's got turtles and bunnies. I hope that's the one that survived. I hope so too. Uh, well, what was what I was thinking actually earlier on? See when like he's he's first like taken over the ship and he's killed the others, and he, he starts eating like an apple or something. I was like, you know, I have to assume that with six domes that each one had like maybe different conditions for different types of produce because obviously different. Well, one of them seems to be just like a pine trees and stuff like that. Yeah, because obviously different fruit and things only grow in certain parts of the world because that's where the climate is appropriate for those yeah. those Tropical. items. Yeah. Yeah. So it makes sense that if he only has one dome left, he only has like one climate left and therefore only a certain selection will grow there. So I yeah. was wondering they never say it, but I was just wondering, oh, what's left? Like what what is it what what fruit is he just like ha- ha- what does he not have anymore because it's all gone. <laughs> yeah. I was curious. Yeah, <laughs> Uh, but I, I like the irony of him having to rely on machines and um, obviously him learning that he is kind of lonely. He still needs humanity. He he does regret, like, killing the others. Like, he sees that as this thing he has to atone for, which leads to his sacrifice um, where he kills himself at the end, along with robot number two, who's the injured one. Which I thought was dumb. Like, he... He murdered another robot. Yeah, he couldn't let number one at least have some company while he was taking care of the garden. Right. He's like, you, number one, you're going to take care of this. Well, number two, you're too broken. You're going to have to come with me because you can't tend to the garden anymore. But, like, it's clearly a sentient life with emotions. Like, just let it live its life. (laughs) Or let it decide itself if it wants to die. Because they do this thing where the other humans, uh, the other ship, has looked for him anyway, even though they knew that it was, like, risky and they might never find him. They put themselves in danger to come save him, which just kind of proves that even if, like, yeah, the guys were kind of dickish at the start, humanity has a lot of good left in it because these guys, like, like went out of their way to try and save him. So yeah. he then he's left with this choice where it's like, well, they're going to want me to blow up the dome if they come here. So the only option I really have is to like sort of jettison that into space and blow up the ship so that they can't like take it away. So he does, uh, and that's the end of the movie basically. And the final shots are, uh, you know, droid number one watering plants and just taking care of the garden. Mm-hmm. And that, that's that's where you know the idea. I I think he sees himself like he has to like die for what he's done. I think that's kind of like you know if he has like a redemptive notion in him. He's trying to atone for his sins. Yes. I feel like there's more productive ways of atoning, though, than murdering yourself, but that's just me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I wouldn't have taken the droid with me. I wouldn't have let the droid live. Yeah, at at the very least, yeah. There's there's also a problem, like, uh, not too long before this part of the film, he notices the forest is starting to, like, die. Like, those brown Mm -hmm. leaves are forming and stuff. Um, And I'll be honest. Does he figure out why? Yeah, yeah. There's there's a whole moment where uh, when when the ship talks to him again, you know, when the guy in the, you know, the, the Bridgerton or whatever it's called talks to him, he's like, hey, you know, you're, you're going to be going dark soon because uh, you're getting on the other side of the planet, so we've got oh. a limited window or something like that. And I'm like, oh, it, it, and I was like, really, the botanist forgot that the, 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 the green life needed sunlight? <laughs> he forgot this? That feels like a pretty, like, even I knew that. <laughs> 
maybe he needed a paleobotanist there. So he he whips out, and they've got lamps for this. Like he whips out some sun lamps that will that'll do the job. Mm. It's not like it's not like he has to like turn it around and go back towards sun the sun to get. Yeah. get you know. No, I remember him saying at the end, yeah. "Don't worry, the lamps will, yes. the lights will provide what the photosynthesis it, or whatever." It almost like I felt there was going to be more made out of the fact that the forest was starting to die and maybe that was like a punishment for him like doing this the wrong way that he didn't deserve this beautiful forest because he'd Mm -hmm. done so many bad things but again i felt like the movie just kind of fixed it too quickly even though i did enjoy the idea that they're saying hey we're here to save you and that was like a one in one in a thousand chance you should be thrilled and all he can focus on is that you give him the idea oh they need sunlight (laughs) so so he runs into the forest me so i'm gonna blow myself up (laughs) Yeah, I, I also see it as like he can't escape his people. Like he tried to like go away and just be with the forest, but ultimately he was never going to be able to escape them. And yeah. the, the, the irony being is that it's for a good reason because they cared enough about him that they wanted to save him. Like you know, that's a good thing. That's a you know that was like a heroic thing. This other ship's done. I actually like this other ship more than I like him because <laughs> they're going out of their way to come and save him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Sorry, I'm distracted. That's oh, all right. This is this is kind of like if in the Martian, Matt Damon was a prick, but the the, the ship still wanted to come and rescue. Him. Yeah, like, that's kind of what this is. And then instead of like going out of his way to be rescued, he just uh, blows himself up as soon yes. as they get there. So they wasted the whole trip. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that, that's what this is in many ways. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to get behind them, but I I do appreciate them trying to have this like f- really flawed character with really murky motivations. I and I think um, when I said that, I think there's kind of a positive message in there by the end, and I I could see why like the way they treat this character as being see the environmentalist is like the the crazy one, and we shouldn't listen to him. I do think that it does have an environmental message, but it's saying that. The environment and technology are both valid and i mean even environment technology and humans are all valid and all need to be balanced together i think it's kind of the point of the ending I, I suppose i i don't know if the the earth that you know mankind has created is necessarily like a pro-environmentalist message though oh no the earth isn't no 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 i mean i'm saying this movie has that yeah yeah okay you know, okay, well, I mean, arguably, even the idea at the ending is that, well, you know what, humans had our chance with this, and we we messed it up. So the, now the robot gets to take care of the forest, and the robot has it, and that's kind of ironic because it's a man-made thing with mm-hmm. the the natural life of things, but without the middle part, which is us. <laughs> yeah, it does seem odd that there seems to, for hum- humanity to just see zero value in nature in the future. I mean, they, and everybody seems fine with it. I guess yeah. maybe it's been so long that they just forgotten what it's like to I, have nature around. I think that's what it is. Which and maybe like, I wonder if this guy, you know, uh, Lol, our main character here. I wonder if he, like, it seems to be have been long enough that no one remembers it. So I have to imagine that he wasn't around when it was like properly there either. But he's he's kind of like. Uh, a historian who like still studies something and like obsesses about it when everyone else mm-hmm. has just kind of moved on like the world has moved on uh and we don't get a lot of earth we never see earth for a start so we, we don't know and part of that's because they just had no idea how to visualize you know like i guess just lots of concrete <laughs> maybe yeah it'd probably be a lot of like filming in new shopping malls just like a lot of these are <laughs> yeah yeah these 70 movies are like we need a futuristic building go to the 
go to the downtown shopping mall that was built last week. Swap out a couple of chairs and put everyone in jumpsuits. Yeah, I mean, maybe it <laughs> would be like. Um, I mean, it doesn't. I mean, it doesn't sound like they can't go outside. But I'm wondering if it's maybe like when you've got like a colony on another planet where they can't breathe outside. So it's all just like indoor. Yeah. Like buildings that look kind of like space stations, but they're on a planet surface. Yeah, kind of like what we see in Wally, maybe. Yeah, 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 a little bit like that. So I could see that, and it, you know, obviously, it's a really low budget movie. They did the best they could with you know what they had. I think for the most part, it looks good. Uh, I will say one little transition thing annoyed me at the start. Uh, they do this thing where he's doing like dishes or he's preparing fruit at like the window, and it goes to a shot from the outside, and there's like a big American flag next to the window, and mm-hmm. the camera starts to pull back, and it sort of fades and it pulls back, and then on the second time it fades though, it switches to a miniature uh, where you know obviously it's the ship, so it's, that's how they're doing it. But the problem I had was is that where the window was, and what's weird is they they, they did it properly later on. Because later on, what they did was is they had a light, a square of light, just kind of like mm-hmm. when you look at a building at night, you see like a, a square of light at the window. You don't necessarily see detail or inside, but you see just the, the, the at least a square of light. Here, it was just like, it was like the window just wasn't there. And it was just a flat surface. And it was really noticeable that it just disappeared uh, when it switched to the, the shot of the miniature. Um, and I'm not really complaining that they used a miniature. I love miniatures in, in this, but it just, they felt like a little square of light would have done, or just switched to a different angle <laughs> so that you don't see them. Like, Come I on, 2001 special effects artist. I know. You know better. Douglas Trumbull. <laughs> yeah. I really like the look of the film. I think it looks good. I, I like the miniature used. I like the look of the space station. Um, you don't see too much of it. Actually, the the outside of the space station does remind me of 2001. I think there's like one design that's used for, maybe it is the most practical design for traveling through deep space, but of just this like long tube with two balls at the end of it. Mm-hmm. That's just the most practical design. I'm not sure, yeah. but that, it is very 2001. That's one was less phallic though, I felt in comparison to 2001. I never really thought that that one was phallic. There's a lot of phallic. <laughs> that, that, this one uh, just feels a bit more industrial. and Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's got two weight, weighted parts at the ends and then like yeah. the tubing in the middle. It's got, it's got the... I don't know uh, how to describe it. It's, it's, got, it's got basically the, the each end it's got three domes. So it's got this kind of... Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Like a dumbbell shape. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, kind of, yeah. Uh, so, no. I, I mean, no, I agree. The movie looks pretty decent. I, I think the... It, you know, it follows a little bit when you think of the better examples, right? I mean, I, I don't think... I mean, I think uh, it may have been, like, Siskel or someone who said something to the effect of it's a poor man's 2001. And, well, I think that's maybe a little harsh in the sense that the movie is worth discussion. Mm-hmm. I can get, you know, like, yeah, if you're comparing it to the visual quality and, like, how Kubrick shot 2001 and how the assets and the effects look, yes, 2001 is a much more prestigious looking film. Well, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, and plus it has that grandiose score of classical music that running through it. Uh, But this has a theme song. This has a silent running theme song (laughs) that it plays a few times. (laughs) Not my favorite. Yeah. It's it's like a a ballad. I thought it it was funny because the... uh, it wasn't Joni Mitchell, but it's someone very Joni Mitchell-esque who, I mean, she would sing about, you know, nature and preserving, um, well, she, she sang that, um, 
a big yellow taxi song, which is about like putting trees in the museum and then paving all the forest over with parking lots, mm. stuff like that. So she sounded very Joni Mitchell esque to me. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, it kicks in a few times when we get the montages when he's doing stuff on the in the forest uh, or when he's socializing with the robots later in the film. Uh, mm-hmm. Teaches them play, how to play cards. Um, because the thing, it, it does like it doesn't do a lot of things early on to show that he likes being with people because he kind of hates it most of the time. But he he is actually quite good at poker because he wins the like the hand we see them play, which suggests that he does at least get something out of that. Like there is like some human interaction that he does, even if he's not admitted it or realized he, he needs it or enjoys it. Like there is some hints of it early on, mm-hmm. uh, and that's what he tries to get the robots to replace later on and. Uh, to, to varying degrees of success, but ultimately it might never be the same. So I was thinking that um, once the robot gets like a, a really good hand, that maybe he was thinking, oh no, now they know how to play and they're robots, so they're always going to play better than me, so now it's not <laughs> worth playing anymore. Maybe I should have kept a human alive. Mm, yeah. He's, he's just delighted with himself that... He, not only did the robot had a good hand, he's delighted that he knew he had a good hand, so he like he bet appropriately. <laughs> uh, it was a cute scene, actually. Yeah, yeah it's, it's all right. Um, Not as cute as those bunnies. They the bunnies were so cute. at the start of the movie. Yes, there's some bunnies. There's a bird or two in there as well that was flying around. Some snails, a turtle. We saw mm-hmm. a turtle. Yes. Yes. Um. Yeah, I like I. I think ultimately the movie uh, presents a lot of interesting ideas. I think ultimately <laughs> its own messaging is a little murky to me, and I, I don't know if that's just because I mean, we can't excuse the idea that maybe us watching this now in the twenty twenties, <laughs> maybe not like some of the the direct things that it's like paralleling might not spring to mind for us in the same way that it would have done. Had you seen this in 1972 when everything was like fresh and relevant and, you know, specifically what was going on at the time? Uh, because I, and I would say this is definitely more of a 70s movie, but you definitely get a little bit of that like leftover hippie vibe mm-hmm. uh, to some of the characters in this. Um, in fact, I think this may have, this movie may have been greenlit in, in connection to Easy Rider, I think I read. Uh, uh, this was like a broad thing. I don't want you to like, don't quote me on this, but there's some loose connection to like this this sort of being born out of that existence um so maybe yeah. just the independent scene probably yeah it's probably just the independent scene it's talking about because because you know the end of the 60s is the birth of independent cinema and this is a, a million dollar movie which even at the time is low budget you know especially for a science fiction film so yeah yeah um and it does it does well with its budget it it does like it, you know I, the sets are great i think yeah well again they're not really sets by and large they're yeah i they're, guess not they're retrofitted uh us aircraft carrier <laughs> uh which i think i think you can kind of tell in some obviously the rec room's got a bit more to it because they've built like a, a circular pool table and shit but when they're in like, when he's in like the the i guess we'll call it the bridge yeah it, the bridge area it looks like a yeah this just feels like a ship that's just been you know, mm-hmm. a, a few more some TV monitors. Yeah, um, they the, the, like a big radar thing where the window would be, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like you know. Uh, 
So, yeah. Lots of buttons that just flash a bunch of lights. Yes. <laughs> Seemingly not for anything. I'm sure that there's yeah. something. That there's something. I'm sure they did something on the ship. On the real ship, sure, but... I'm sure, I'm sure there's some, uh, there, but there has to be a bunch of little systems that are controlled on a sh- ship this big in space that need buttons. Yeah. Flashing buttons all the time. Yes. Well, they're flashing to let you know they're okay. When they stop flashing, you know something's wrong. Mm, interesting design. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I like the movie. I like the little Rainbow Road section, too. Um... There was one shot I really enjoyed, which was when the um, dome separated from the stations, mm. and you can see it from like the out the exterior, and it looks very much like when you'd see um like a shuttle separate in space. Yeah, and it's got like, it's like they, the... they use like sparkly things in it in the air too, so it looks really good. But they liked it so much they used it like eighteen times. <laughs> I actually thought that that scene was a bit rough, just because, like, they keep showing Bruce Dern in one of the domes, and then they keep showing exterior shots of what looks like the same dome, like just yeah, you know, releasing and then exploding. They could have done more space. to make the domes more distinct, so it was clearer if like when or he was where in a they different were coming one. from. Because I kept thinking, okay, is Bruce Dern in space now, or like yeah. you know what I mean, like separated now? It, it was a little <laughs> confusing because the domes kind of look the same, and it's probably because they they basically had one dome that they just used for all of them. <laughs> probably, yeah. It was yeah. just it, it was very redundant, and I I it wasn't very good at telling me like which one was blowing up and. If they were in any danger, because they kept showing Bruce Dern inside one of the domes. Yeah, I, th- I think the movie could have had a better script in some in this in the sense that I think there could have been a clear like goal or obstacle, and because you know, like I said, the, the forest kind of starts to die a little bit, but it's resolved pretty quickly, and it's not something that becomes this like problem that he's trying to solve for like. You know, once he's separated and he's moved through the rings of Saturn, and he's he's kind of like presumed lost at that point. At least we think he has. Obviously, he's not because the ship shows up later. But once we're at that point in the movie, it just kind of like becomes this drama of him getting used to being on his own. In fact, one scene we glossed over that I think we should mention is the the the, the quote unquote funeral for the one who was nice to him. So because the, the other the other guys blew up in a dome, but the one he killed by with his hands is in the dome that's left. So he's still there, and. I thought it was very notable and a good little bit of character work that he doesn't go there personally. He doesn't go into the dome. He gets the robots to dig the hole and ultimately put the body in the hole. But he does actually still, like, ask, he gets me to stop and he says, I want to say something first. And he gets mm-hmm. a little emotional as he's watching on the monitor and he's saying, the, saying he's like, it's just like a bit of a poem or something or a prayer. And... What what stuck out to me about this is that this is a very interesting dynamic for this character in the sense that he's showing that he cares and that there's a, some attachment, but he's trying to keep himself distanced and he's you know keeping it at yeah, arm's he's length. Yeah, doing it remotely. Yeah, by not going down there. So it's this nice conflicting thing where he feels something, but he's trying to like keep it separate from him so he doesn't feel as bad, or if maybe that will make him feel better, or mm-hmm. just like stay separate from humanity right and that's kind of his problem is that he is more he, I, I always hate to bring up comic book things but it's a, it's a little bit poison ivy okay he, he cares more about plant life and wildlife than he does humans and he's trying to like sort of keep that 
that barrier up to make him so he wouldn't have to feel bad it doesn't work obviously over the course of the film he does think about them he does care and ultimately feels he has to sacrifice himself um so that his garden can live but yeah so i guess worth talking mentioning that scene because I, I thought it was an interesting just the motivations of everything he was doing both like and how he was doing it remotely but also felt like he needed to do it was was very it was a good bit of storytelling in that in that particular sequence yeah i don't know if i got the vibe that he cares more about plants than he does humans i think i think the the biodome sort of represents something um not just the plants it, it kind of represents you know history and mm. um you know man's like i don't say hubris but like um you know a, a time before man like destroyed everything because it, it still has this one little preserved perfect little forest with like you know little bunnies running around and stuff like that so it, it sort of represents um something that man has lost by its own selfishness and greed most likely yeah uh you could you almost have his own like selfish hubris in a way with him going to these lengths to maintain this uh like even if you agree with him, even if you like sympathize with what he's trying to do, like there is kind of like he does murder multiple people, and decides that he is the one to like make this decision to keep yeah. this thing going. I mean, I do think you're right about the first one being like just a crime of passion. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, he makes a last stand for sure, but I don't think he ever meant for it to escalate to murder, because he seems pretty like surprised when the guy doesn't wake up. Yeah, he's he's in shock, but. Mm-hmm. Then he's like, "Well, I'm in deep now, so I might as well go might all as well. out." Yeah, yeah. I just kind of get that that vibe to it. Um, I know. I, I, I mean, I don't know if the title because the movie changed a lot. Like, I, I didn't do a lot of reading up on like other like examinations of the movie, but when I was having a quick scan of things, uh, I noticed that the the original pitch for this movie is that uh, there actually would be aliens, and it was going to be more about like uh, there wasn't an environmental side to it. It was more about this guy. F- taking control of the ship uh but then uh, like the the robots go down to meet aliens at the end of the film or something like that it, it was like it was very different um cool. and the director of and you know changed it and there was a new script written or whatever but um i i, I, I actually forgot where i was going with that but but a good bit of trivia all the same <laughs> i would like to see that movie still it's still an interesting movie i it's um yeah there's a lot of really fascinating questions that are being brought up and explored. There's just, I think, a, a more... I don't want to say coherent, because it's not incoherent. That's not what I'm trying to say. But a more produced, well-thought-out, finished film, perhaps, from a scripting perspective. That Just to, just to make everything it's trying to say kind of ring home a bit better and maybe a character that we can empathize with a little bit more and whether that's a problem in the script or a problem just with bruce dern's performance uh is it open I mean, for he debate? could just be miscast like we said earlier yeah, like yeah. maybe he's just we can't get you know the burbs character out of our head or something <laughs> we are we're always going to see him as a little bit crazy maybe i mean I, I mean to be fair i think he does act crazy in this i don't think i don't think it's just other roles that we're bringing to the table here 
Yeah. You know, he he does come off a bit unhinged, even when he's playing poker at the start. There's a little bit of a an attitude to him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's there. Kind of reminds me of uh, Timothy something. Dalton from no, um, a Timothy Carey. He was in like he was in some Kubrick films. He did Pass of Glory and The Killing. Mm, okay. He he kind of it kind of reminds me of that. Just uh, somebody who like speaks in a way where you automatically go, I don't know if I trust this person or like like this person. <laughs> I think they might be kind of shady or something else is going on up there, where they're not like they. Everything about them says they should be normal, but something about the way they talk comes off as red flag material. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of this movie does is really good science fiction topics is you know the idea of someone being lonely oh in this case it's space instead of a post-apocalypse but the idea of them befriending something like a robot mm-hmm. uh the idea of you know th- everything changing and us losing this part of humanity and this is the only part of like you know wildlife and like forestry that's left and like all, all these ideas and then the idea the attitude of the characters who don't really care about it in the film and what that says and what the movie's kind of exploring with these topics um is all, all fascinating stuff like it's, it's all good stuff which is why i say like i think talking about the movie <laughs> is maybe a little bit more entertaining than actually watching all of the movie i mean and it's not that it's a long movie it's 90 minutes it goes in quite quick honestly uh all things considered but um mm-hmm. yeah I, I, I would say it's a very flawed but worthwhile viewing experience yeah but there's a reason why like you know almost every article if you search for silent running on the internet almost every article will start off by saying it's overlooked or underrated and i'm like i don't know if it is overlooked i think it's looked at about the right amount (laughs) versus (laughs) the other things that deserve more more time and attention but maybe that's just me being shocking on the internet i don't know it's my hot take maybe we're just too young (laughs) <laughs> a couple of young whippersnappers who don't understand the way that movies used to be. I guarantee, you know, every time we are not, like, completely praising of an older movie, there's always someone who's clearly 20, 30 years older than us who'll get in the comments and, like, <laughs> you young people don't understand. You're just, just, you're just not smart Science enough to get it. Science fiction used to be better. You need the, you know, all the bang bangs in space. No. Yeah, well, well, 2001 was before this, and it's a much better film, so shut up, is what I'm saying uh, to these people. The best film ever. Yeah. It, 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 it's top 10. <laughs> top 10. Best movie ever. Top 10. <laughs> so, uh, what are you going to rate the movie? <laughs> okay, I think, um, I, I do think the movie's good, and there's a lot that I really like in it, uh, my issues with the film, you know, maybe it would go away if I watched it more or if I, if it was a movie I really, I knew from an early age, I'm like, oh, this is a sci-fi movie that's got a really unique look and storytelling and um, characters. And, you know, if I had some sort of nostalgia to it, maybe I would like it more. But um, for a first time watch, I'm going to give it a 6.5. All right. Um... Yeah, I I think that's kind of where I landed last time I watched it, you know, a bit a decade ago probably. 
I don't think it's changed much. I think I'm probably in a similar vein. It's okay. You can have the same rating as me. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm, you know, I always like to try and consider, like, do I want to go higher? Do I want to go lower? I think 6.5 sounds right. I think Tara nailed it this week. Boom. Yes. That's why I'm here, because I'm always right. That sentence in and of itself is wrong, so <laughs> there's irony to, to it, so thank you. <laughs> no? Yes, Tara's always right. Yes, I, I, I concur. That's right. Uh-huh. Yes. Is that a bird? I hear a bird. bird it's my notification from my cell phone, which is in another room. I guess I had the volume up <laughs> kind of loud. Yes. Look, are you in a biodome? <laughs> Do we, do we have to I do? I wish I had birds. I love birds. I just don't like the idea of keeping an animal yeah. in a cage. Do we have to do the movie called Biodome now, starring Polly Shore? I was thinking that actually. Oh, don't! Yes. I'm, I'm joking. I, I'm not. That could be a bonus movie. But someday. Hell yeah! Someday. Polly Shore. When, when, when love we, him. When we reach ten thousand dollars per month on Patreon, we will do Biodome as a bonus what? episode. But it's a classic. I've not seen it, but all signs point to, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's because you haven't seen it. Um, I, I don't think I'm going to like Polly Shore, okay? Wait, you've never seen any Polly Shore movie? I have delightfully avoided. As far as I know, anyway. Maybe he's had a small role in something, but as far as I know, I've not wow. seen a Polly Shore movie. Never seen Encino Man? Nope. In the army now? Never heard of it. <laughs> well, after 70s months is over. <laughs> oh, dear. All right. Well, that is uh, Silent Running, uh, the, the, the 1972 film uh, in the can. So I'm going to get Tara to pose for the thumbnail now. So, uh, yeah, very nice. Moving the make out of the way. Professional. I love it. All right, three, two, one, pause. <laughs> I mean, not a lot of actual running in the film. I, I believe the title is referring more to like when a ship has been run with minim minimal- Run silent, run deep. Yes, you know, minimal systems, which, you know, at the end of the movie, the, the, the droid operating on this biodome on his own, that I would call that silent running, which is- Probably why the movie's called that. Although, yeah. That's oh, all right. Anyway. Uh, next episode uh, will not be a movie review. This is this is the rare uh, time we're not telling you what's next because next time it will be each of us coming in with a top twenty-five sci-fi movies of the nineteen seventies. Damn, I got homework. Yeah, and of course, this is the third time we've done a seventies season now. Uh, the first one was actually a lot more movies. We actually. We went nuts with that first one and did like... It was because Criterion came out with like their 70s yeah. sci-fi collection and we were just like going through them. But we did like nine or ten episodes in a month, which was insane. And It was. Yeah. It was too much to ask from me. <laughs> it was I your was idea. So <laughs> well, I thought maybe we'd bank them. <laughs> um, but, you know, we've done a couple of 70s uh, seasons at a regular pace. So we're pretty well and we equipped. we still have so much more. 
there is still more, right? There's 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 enough for like another three seasons of seventies movies, so eventually we can do like a redo of the top twenty five. But it's been enough time now. You know, we're three years out of the show. We want to do a top twenty five of the seventies science fiction. So that's what we're going to do. So we'll each have our own list next episode, and we'll see what we picked. Obviously, movies that we've not reviewed yet that we've still seen will still be eligible. You know, we're not we're not going to ignore important films just because we haven't reviewed them yet. But uh, that that's maybe with some of the differences between us might might pop up the most. So yes. So we'll see. Uh, but that is uh, that is what's coming up next. Uh, you can of course like, subscribe, ding the bell for notifications and all that jazz all of that helps us out a lot and helps share the, the the show out to more people on youtube so please do hit the buttons i will take this time to thank our patreon producers for the month so thank you to tyler hess cindy palacios david short board now christopher moy and david brown uh you can of course be a producer at one of the higher tiers over at patreon which tara is going to tell you more about right now that's right, Peter. If you enjoy our reviews, please check out our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash TV. And if you donate as well as $1 per month, you will get access to bonus episodes of The Ace. So if you're wondering where all your favorite sci-fi B-movie schlock that we sh- clearly should be reviewing, well, maybe we have. And maybe it's on the Patreon. So check out what we think of the Transfer Saga on there lots of full moon production stuff lots of david carradine gold yeah uh, um, at least two red brown movies who was mentioned earlier in this we episode. love our red brown yes if we can somehow figure out how captain america fits <laughs> into science fiction we might do those <laughs> um we still haven't actually done space mutiny but we did do both robo war and your hunter of the future yeah, we do need to do Space Mutiny eventually. Although I think we sort of reviewed the film as like an add-on to one of our early reviews. Yeah, we Back did when the... we would watch Mystery Science Theater. Yeah, yeah, we kind of did that, yeah. Uh, someday. When, t- when time has moved on and we've forgotten everything we said. <laughs> I mean, I'll never forget Space Mutiny. I've seen it like a hundred times. <laughs> well, that's because you have an unhealthy relationship with Space Mutiny. Yes. And both Mystery Science Theater in general, if we're honest. Uh, so and riff tracks, and oh, yeah, that's by extension. I have really. both. I have both versions. Yes, of course. Uh, so, <laughs> yes, I look forward to that. Uh, and also worth mentioning, uh, this month, Screams After Midnight, the bonus episodes return. So you're also getting a bonus episode of Screams now as well for that one dollar on Patreon.com/slash/MailFestTV. So go have a look. Um, we just did Werewolves Within as a bonus episode so we'll check out speaking of sam richardson there you go but there you go that's that's the that's the show catch us on the twitters at screams midnight uh which is now the the mailed fuzz movies twitter in general which covers both screams and ace so go and check out the twitter and that's us so hopefully you've enjoyed the 70s season which i guess the finale of which is the top 25 next next time but uh We'll see you then, so keep watching science fiction and computer. Add salsa.